I'm Molly Wood, author of CNN's Buzzer Report. And I am Tom Merritt, author of CNN's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, the podcast of Indeterminate Length. And we have a big, big interview with a wonderful guest, Esther Dyson, mm-hmm. uh, the daughter of physicist Freeman Dyson, and also, among other things, a member of ICANN, the Internet Naming Authority. Yes, in fact, the first chairperson of ICANN. Mm-hmm. She will be um, following up on the ongoing story about the UN and the EU trying to wrest control of the internet away from the United States because ICANN is a, a U.S. government-controlled body to some extent. Uh, and many of you had written and said, wait, is that for real? And it is. And yep. Esther is here to try to clarify. And thank goodness, too, because kind of a slow news day. <laughs> no, not that much going on. In fact, the biggest news I've seen today is that Windows is turning 20 this, this month. month. Happy, it's not even today. Yeah, it's not even necessarily today. <laughs> And uh, they pointed out on Slashdot, uh, in the Slashdot posting, that when it came out, everybody thought it was a cheap little yeah. OS that couldn't compete with Apple and Xerox Park. I actually have an old PC computing magazine where they review all of the new windowing soft uh, <laughs> OSs. Uh, wow. And Windows is just one of the, right. it's not even the best. It's like the fourth one on the list. I like this story as sort of a 20th reunion kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you got your nerdy little guy who had this idea for changing the world and everybody made fun of him and they showed up with $42 billion. Yeah. So take that. And now we're all using Windows unless we're using Mac or Linux. Yes. Or FreeBSD. Hey, I think we heard Nopics. about some other people who might be using Linux, FreeBSD, or Nopix today. Uh, this story touched my heart. <laughs> Uh, because I am actually a big fan of this uh, jazz musician who is also the cultural minister of uh, Brazil, Hilberto Hill. With an interest in technology. Yeah, and he is uh, quoted on Boing Boing from a story that talks about the fact that Brazil has decided to dump Windows off of all of their uh, computers in Brazilian government and replace it with open source software to save money. That's awesome. Well, and doesn't he also want the government to try to save that money because so many Brazilians are living in poverty and they just aren't feeling like it's right for the government to spend that much money on, on Microsoft licensing fees when they could be helping the poor? Yeah, I, I, he says something about while millions of Brazilians live in poverty, it doesn't make sense for us to spend all this money when we can get it for free right. and it's developed by the world. And he said something about this is our times. So I, I would quote it directly except for um, my wonderful Microsoft product here uh, isn't allowing me to pull up anything but the cached version from yesterday oh. of my links page. I do remember, however, <laughs> that he said that that open source was not necessarily his idea or Brazil's idea, but the idea of our time, which I thought was yes, pretty, pretty exactly. Cool. That is pretty much the exact quote. I, I remember things. I pay attention. Uh, speaking of international issues, it is time to move into our interview with Esther Nice, and I hope you enjoy it. So today we have Esther Dyson with us. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm um, glad to be here. <laughs> so now, you were one of the nine founding members of ICANN, is that correct? I was, it, it, it wasn't members. I was the, one of the nine initial members, and I was the initial chairman of the board of ICANN. Okay. And can you, I guess, explain to us a little, we've been talking about ICANN a lot lately on the podcast. Can you explain to us a little bit about what ICANN's role is in sort of governance of the internet? Yeah. I, I can talk about what it is and what it should be, and of course, it's kind of a Rorschach blot for people mm-hmm. to impose their own fantasies on. Right. <laughs> it's basically, it was created at the behest of the U.S. government through a lot of behind-the-scenes negotiating, negotiating, of which I was not part, and the 
it was supposed to be a sort of inaccurate conception. The Internet community was supposed to come up with this governing board that would be kind of the, if you like, the, the oversight to a community effort to set policy mm-hmm. for administration of the Internet's infrastructure. And, of course, it wasn't quite as immaculate as all that. Right. And they, they should have been just more open about what was really going on, which was, I think, probably a lot of negotiations, mostly between the U.S. and the EU. And then they had a guy from Australia, a guy from Japan, and so forth. Um, so, it, and so it originally had sort of a global flavor. It was, yes. The, the U.S. government, in the person of Iron Magaziner, was, was really enlightened. They said, look, we don't think this should be either our authority or our responsibility. The Internet should set its own policies. And we would like it to come up with a board and then create processes that would be open and allow a lot of people to come in and, and have the community itself set the policy. Mm-hmm. And that because is- at that time, the, the domain name system, which was kind of the specific crown jewels, was being managed by a single man called John Pistel, who was widely considered to be trustworthy, honest, uh, have the welfare of the community at heart, but he was only one guy. Right. And as it turned out, he died of a heart attack between the time the board was assembled with his uh, you know, approval and, and whatever. I never actually met him myself. Mm. And I think it was September and the board first met in October. So that John Pastel, who was kind of the spirit of the Internet, was represented by a corporate litigator. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's not good. No. And I, Joe Sims is brilliant, and I love him, but he had the wrong personality. He had exactly the right personality for our very first task, which was to eliminate the monopoly position held mm-hmm. by network solutions. And that really needed a tough corporate litigator. Right. But it also needed to be open and transparent. And that, yeah, that's not the law profession. <laughs> right. So that was, we, that was, in a sense, part of why things went wrong. Also, Ira Magaziner, though he was idealistic and had the, the right goal in mind, which was to hand control of the Internet infrastructure over to the Internet itself, was so idealistic, he didn't give us any money. Ah. <laughs> so that ICANN was beholden to mostly the, the registries and then the registrars for, for funds. And so the first thing that Network Solutions did was say that the fees that ICANN wanted to charge were a tax on the Internet and mm-hmm. blackened our name. And so it, it descended into a lot of unfortunate name-calling and lack of transparency on the side of the board and so forth, but it was, it was, it was an attempt to do the right thing. Right. And the idea was that the U.S. government was voluntarily giving over this control to a board that would represent a broader community, and the board was there simply to make sure that this broad community had a set of rules for developing policies and voting and accountability and so forth. And the idea was that we had we we did have and we do have nothing to do with content, with censorship, with fraud, with all these things. Right. So, of course, to the extent that you consider a domain name to be a piece of content, if it has a bad word you don't like, like Chinese government sucks, mm-hmm. or uh, some sexual term or something. But ultimately... The... And also there's the intellectual property part of trademarks, so we, we were involved in some of those policy things. Right. But the idea was to keep our power very limited. Now, I could go on 
about everything that's happened in the past seven years, but to fast forward very quickly. Okay. Right now, you have a lot of complaints that the U.S. hasn't entirely given up control, which it hasn't. It still has a contract with ICANN. But they don't seem to interfere much. No, they don't. And to my mind, here's, here's the situation right now. A lot of people are saying, this is terrible. The U.S. has this illegitimate authority over ICANN, and what we need to do is, is put in place a legitimate authority, probably part of the U.N., or like the U.N., blessed by the International Telecommunication Union, that would have legitimate authority so that ICANN would be stable and secure. And I think that is exactly the worst thing that could happen. Really? Because, yeah, well, right now, it's true. ICANN's authority is kind of illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it ultimately devolves to the U.S., not to the global Internet community at large, wherever they are. Right. But that very fact means that ICANN's power is limited. It can't do much. And that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the moment right. you create something with legitimate authority, suddenly it can go wild. It can start regulating content. It, can, it will start saying, well, let's, you know, let's open it to worldwide voting. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, then you, have real, you have real problems because the thing has, at least in some people's eyes, legitimate authority. And if you actually let the largest company, countries have the largest influence, you'd probably find they put in place policies that a lot of us wouldn't like at all, including right. a lot of control of content and uh, deference to governments. And so once you give them power, then you have to worry about them abusing that power. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the most important thing is for ICANN not to have a lot of power. <laughs> and if the only way to make it powerless is to make it illegitimate, God bless it, let it stay illegitimate. It sounds to me like ICANN actually, for all the fire it takes, works fairly well right now. The problem is that people perceive that the United States might change its mind and start interfering. They do. And they also perceive, if only I could get control of it, I'd run things right. Mm -hmm. Right. Grass is always bigger. You know, it is, the U.S. can't do much because the moment they try to, they essentially, they stop double, triple X. Uh, yeah, .xxx. Right. And, but they did that because other governments agreed with them. Yeah, although if I was... They tried to do something that sort of benefited the United States and not nobody else. There would be such an outcry that they couldn't do it. So the truth is, the U.S. government's power is very limited, too. Right. And it, it may look like an unstable situation, but it's actually about as positive as it's going to get, I think, for some time. It, people should just calm down. Uh, to my <laughs> mind, WISIS should focus on real people's real problems, which have much more to do with poverty and economic development and education mm-hmm. than with who manages the domain name system. You see, this is what really distresses well, me. And that, that seems to be the biggest confusion, is that people think that running the domain name system does equate to running the Internet. Yeah, and that seems is, to be a bit of a fallacy. It's, it's so brain-dead. And, of course, you have all these self-styled public interest people you know, saying that we want equal rights to run the domain name system, but it doesn't do you any good if your people are illiterate, if they can't afford computers. And this is not about paying for the Internet, and it's not about providing free Internet. It's simply taking domain names. And, yes, those do have some historical political significance, but in the scheme of things, it's a tragedy that a lot of these developing countries are spending money to send 
people to something so useless. Mm-hmm. And and they're you know what's really happening is these are the richer people in their countries. They're going to go to Tunisia and stay in nice hotels for quite a number of days and go to important meetings and go to hosted cocktail parties. Right. And they're not going to do any good for their countries. What about this fear that the internet could actually split apart? That that um, some people have threatened, some of the countries have threatened. Yeah, and so it's sort of like if you don't want to be in my club, you can leave. I'll take my internet and go home. Yeah, and then you're home and you can't talk to anybody and then you really have economic development problems. So it's it's a real threat. It's again, it's a threat that I think kind of keeps people together. Uh, you can start your own route. It's not illegal, and it's good that it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. Because, again, if it were illegal, it would mean ICANN had too much power to stop people. So next, But if you, if you start your own route, you're not going to find very many people to talk to you. Right. So and, you know, that's fine. So people next month I- is the World Summit yeah. on the Information Society, and that is where, do you think a lot of these issues will be primarily just argued to death, or will, will anything potentially be decided there? That's the meeting no, in Tunisia that you mentioned. I think they will mentioned. be argued to continued living, but not resolving. Right. Um, I don't think much is going to get resolved. I'm sure they will issue various kinds of proclamations, and, you know, I mean, I hope they'll just decide to study it some more. Yeah. In the end, <laughs> it, is, it, it, is it up to the United States government to give in? I mean, does the U.S. government, does the Department of Commerce have the final say on whether they give up control or not? Or is there somewhere they could be forced to give up control? They have a contract with ICANN. Um, the UN, UN could ask them to give up control, and I think they would properly say, as they have said, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they will say we're, you know, they'll, they'll come up with some diplomatic language. Um, the UN could declare war on the U.S., but no, I <laughs> over ICANN, yeah. War yeah, over I mean, the Internet. It could the Internet's turn pretty into, important. It could turn into something ugly, which would be really unfortunate. Yeah. But I think the EU, you know, there's there's sort of the political part, and then there's the reality part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I hope it doesn't, I hope nobody does anything stupid. <laughs> so but they do we. all want the Internet to keep working in the end. Right. So hopefully and, that, that will be the point of compromise at least. Yeah, and so people okay. can make a lot of noise, and the U.S. government can say, we'll start negotiating a process, but I, I hope it just stays like this, Yeah. Well, in, in, in instability, and that ICANN continues to do a, an improving job, and, and frankly, there, there are a lot of details to work out with the CCTLDs. I think ICANN is, is way too, if you like, micromanagement- Mm. micromanaging as, as far as the top some level of the specific domains. regulations mm-hmm. go. And I think at the same time, they should really crack down on, there's a huge amount of domain name-based fraud because yeah. you can get a domain name very, very cheaply and then you can use it to run a phishing site and you can disappear in three days. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a much bigger problem on the Internet than all these highfalutin political things. Well. Thank you for coming on. Obviously, this is a complex topic that we <laughs> don't have quite enough time to cover, but I appreciate your overview. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Sorry for running on, but I hope it was useful. That yeah, was no. very insightful. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. So I hope that you feel like you have a better understanding now of this this issue. And um, again, that that summit, the World Summit, in which this will be argued to death, will be coming up next month. So we'll be 
we'll be following that. I definitely came away with a better understanding with a lot of good insight. I think so, definitely. And and I think to answer that question of who's in charge of the internet, I think the answer still is kind of no one. So the internet is not necessarily in danger at this point of being monopolized. It's an interesting thing because my first reaction would be to say, no, the United States should not be in charge of it. Right. And I think long term, the United States should not be in charge of it. But the the solution isn't any of the solutions given so far. Exactly. And if the argument is keep it weak, then I, I'm in favor. Okay. <laughs> uh, checking in on the email box. We got a lot of people writing in about the Apple uh, video iPod, both yes. for and against. Uh, Joe Plett wrote us a little la- a rant saying that for whatever reason, iTunes only downloaded. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. And he's complaining about a problem we had with our uh, podcast yes. not, not delivering on time which we uh, we do it's apologize for that, that. Uh, that's fixed now so go back and, and re-download if you missed the October I think it's the 11th that we yeah, had the problem it was with. the 12th it was yeah. supposed to be the 12th and it was tagged the 11th so anyway it should be all be working fine now anyway so after he rips me about that he says <laughs> wow now I can buy a DRM QVGA version of a show I can get an STD or maybe in high def surround on my PVR Okay, it's a minor nuisance to convert, but not much more trouble than downloading from iTunes on a congested broadband connection. That I disagree with for most people. It is a, more of a big deal. Yes. Uh, but he goes on to say, and I can watch it in 16 by 9 on my PSP. Yes. Yes, that's true. The PSP as a video platform still is, I, I think, probably the clear winner in terms of it looks personal better. video players. Absolutely. It looks so much better. Uh, but the content is not available. And I, you know what? I think of this as sort of renting in a way. Yeah. Renting in a way that allows you to watch it over and over, but it's not buying something that you want to keep. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it that way, it may make a little more sense. We also got uh, a uh, note here from Craig Cooley, who says uh, to Molly, I'm a news junkie too, but except for NPR, most news is on AM radio, yes. not FM. I know. I <laughs> hate that. And I hate that too, because I like to listen to both news and sports. And sports. On the AM. I want to listen to baseball. N- even the and traffic MP3 and players weather. that have FM tuners never have AM tuners. I agree. In you fact, almost can never buy an AM tuner to just wear portably. I know. I think the first MP3 player that comes out with an AM tuner, no matter how crappy that player turns out to be, I'm going to buy. And I have seen AM, FM combo radios mm-hmm. that are as big as my thumb. So okay, And okay, I got a big thumb, but it's not that big. <laughs> I know it has to be possible. It wouldn't add that much more. No, there's there's not much technical reason. Unless there's something with the interference in the reception of the AM. Yes. But I, I, I can't think of anything it would be. Uh, a little a note from Lee in Australia and also from Joel about MSN Messenger. Uh, when we were talking about the Yahoo-Microsoft deal to make their uh, instant messenger clients work together, I said, who uses MSN Messenger? And it turns out that a lot of people outside the U.S. use MSN Messenger. It's very popular internationally. Right. So um, now I know. Good news. And then we have a little correction. Oh, yeah. Tom had a moment the other day where he became convinced in his fevered brain, and he does have a little bit of a cold, so give him, cut him some I slack. Did. Became convinced that um, our phone number was indeed one eight 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 six one six 616 cnet when in fact it is, as we have said every other day, one 800 616 And I apologize CNET. to the insurance company who has been getting calls. <laughs> it is Talking about video iPods. <laughs> 800-616-CNET. It's just almost impossible to believe that we snagged an 800 number. I know. Given how rare they are. That's amazing. 1-800-616-CNET. Or you can email us. That's perfectly safe. <laughs> Buzz at CNET.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.